Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We'll be in John chapter 10, we'll begin in verse 22. John chapter 10, verse 22. Um, Tonight's not necessarily a sermon that's about church membership. Um, I'd like to say a few things about that. Um, Some might ask, well, is church membership something that's in the Bible? And uh, you won't find any kind of a list necessarily with people's names written out and things like that. But consider a couple of things here before we get into the main message for the night. Each of the letters that was written by Paul or the other apostles was written not to the pastor of the church, not to an individual in the church, but these letters were written to churches as a whole. They weren't written to the city, they were written to those who were claiming the name of Christ and were meeting together and gathering together as a church. So in somehow, in some way, they had some kind of distinction between who was a part of the church and who wasn't. Otherwise, it would be, it would make any sense with the idea that Paul was writing the letter to the congregational. We make a big deal out of the fact that Paul was writing to churches and he wasn't just writing to the elders. He wasn't just telling the elders what to do, but he was telling churches how to obey God. And also, we might consider, in the case of church discipline in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, there was a man who was guilty of sexual immorality of a kind that uh, Paul says not even was known among the Gentiles. And he was shocked that they, the Corinthians allowed that to go on within their midst. And he commanded them to cast this man out. When well, 2 Corinthians, the punishment was sufficient. In fact, the verse in chapter 5 says, The punishment inflicted by the majority was sufficient. The man had received his punishment. He, con- he repented of his sin. He turned away and Paul tells them to, re, uh, to reinstate the member, to allow him to come back in, to affirm their love for him. Now, the, the phrase there is the punishment inflicted by the majority. How do you have a majority if you don't have membership? It's just a, an, a, an amorphous just blob. If you don't have membership, just some people coming one week and some people coming another and it doesn't really matter. But they knew who was in and who was out of the church. They knew who was considered believers. And Paul says the punishment was inflicted by a majority. And by that majority, they probably had some kind of a vote. Not necessarily the way we think of it. They probably didn't follow Robert's rules of orders or some kind of parliamentary procedure, but they they knew that it was a majority. There's other reasons 
I think church membership is vital. Consider uh, how many times the Lord tells us to love one another. Love one another. And he's speaking to the church when he does this. He's saying, love one another. He doesn't just say, love everybody. But he says, love one another. And so it's in the context of a church that we do that. We are members one of another. And Paul talks in, Second Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the gifts of the Spirit. He says each member has a, a, a duty. Each member has a, a different gift. And he, each member is like the members of the body. An eye, a hand, a foot. We're all members of one another. And that's how we function best when we covenant together, when we promise one another that we will hold one another accountable, care for one another like we care for our own body. That's all extra. Let's get to our text. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22. At that time, the, festival, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long do you, will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you don't believe. The works that are the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not, good, not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, it is, not, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods, through the word to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God. I am not doing the works. Am I, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John would have been baptizing at first. 
there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let your sheep hear your voice tonight. Father, be with me. Use me, sinner, to demonstrate the power of your word. In Jesus' name. begins at the time of the Feast of Dedication. It's the Feast of Dedication. We don't know it by that name today. Notice it says it took place in winter. Any guesses? The Feast of Dedication was the feast in which they remembered the dedication of the temple. This did not take place during Old Testament times. It took place during that intertestamental period between when the, the Old Testament closed and when the New Testament began. It took place after Antiochus Epiphanes, this Roman ruler, blasphemed. He went into the temple of the Jews and he slaughtered a sow to desecrate the temple. And whenever the Jews regained control, they rededicated the temple. You know this celebration, the Feast of Dedication, as Hanukkah. You ever wondered where, if Hanukkah was in the Bible, well, here it is. Jesus told this, this discourse during the time of Hanukkah. And Jesus was walking in the temple, the colonnade of Solomon. Notice what is it that this feast is all about? It's all about the temple. And notice where Jesus is? He's in the temple. If he was a blasphemer, like he was being accused of, he would be defiling the temple. No, Jesus came and he makes it holy. He doesn't defile it. He truly makes it holy. Holier than it ever could have been at the celebration, the first celebration of Hanukkah. The temple was dedicated. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Have these guys been blind? What? <laughs> Jesus, you just seem to keep hinting about something. Are, are, are you the Christ, or, or what, what is going on? They don't get it. But Jesus responds, I told you, and you do not believe. Think back. Jesus, in this book, in the book of John, he met with the woman at the well. The woman of the well said, we know that the Christ is coming. And Jesus said to this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman, I'm he. I'm 
that one who you're expecting to come. I believe just last chapter in chapter 9, he told the same kind of thing to the blind man. Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, this blind man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he that is speaking to you. A blind man can see who Jesus was. A blind man is who Jesus told, I am he, I'm the Messiah. But these Jews who had seen his works, they saw him turn water into wine. They saw him heal people, raise people from the dead. And they couldn't see it. They couldn't see who Jesus was. Jesus said, The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. Jesus says he's already told the Jews who he is. He is the Messiah. He is the one who the Old Testament expected from the very beginning in the garden. When the seed of the woman was promised who would crush the serpent's head. He was that one who was promised back whenever David was told by the Lord. You're going to have a son who will sit on your throne forever and ever Jesus says his works were enough to testify that he is the one. He is the son of David. He is the son, the seed of the woman. His works should be enough, but they don't believe it because they aren't his sheep. Listen to that again. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Now as we think, we don't naturally like this. We want to flip it around. We want to say, as if Jesus was saying, you are not my sheep because you don't believe. That's what we would like to hear. We'd like to hear if you just believe, you can become one of my sheep. But listen to what Jesus said. You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. They didn't hear Jesus' voice. They didn't hear him because Jesus had not been revealed to them. Then Jesus continues on. My sheep hear my voice, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Um, my sheep hear my voice. I skipped the line. No, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. The way Jesus is speaking... Jesus comes with his message about himself, his message about how he will die for the sins of his people and be raised again. And who is it that believes? It's his sheep. 
We need to have our ears open. We need to have our eyes open. We need Jesus to do that. We're not capable of believing until he transforms us from some rebellious goat into one of the sheep of his pasture. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Notice that. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to earn it. They didn't have to clean themselves up and make them right, themselves righteous. But no, he gives them eternal life. It is a gift. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Believer and one who has is one of Jesus' sheep is secure. They will hear his voice and they will follow him. So how do we explain when someone looks like a sheep and then stops following? Because Jesus says, my sheep will never be snatched away. No one can snatch them out of my hand. It says, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. What does it mean when someone looks like they were a sheep, and yet they give appearance that they're not listening to the voice of the shepherd? They're running another way. I think the answer is found in First John, whenever Jesus, whenever John says, they went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they would have remained of us. There are some who give an appearance of a decision for Christ, of a, of a, of a, of a desire, of an enthusiasm to want to follow Jesus, who rise up really quickly, but yet then fade. It's like the parable, which I talk about often, of the sower. Those soils that rise up quickly, the ones that were on the path, and the ones that were on the thorny soil and the rocky soil. They rose up quickly, yet the sun beat down and they didn't have roots and they, they withered away. They were never really one of Jesus' sheep. Then Jesus says something even more shocking. First he had said, I am, my father will hold his sheep. He won't let anybody be snatched away. And then he says, I and the father are one. Whoa. He's claiming something that is deeper than what these people are asking about. They're claiming, they're asking, are you the Christ? Just tell us plainly. We don't, we don't, we don't really know. Are you really the Christ? And Jesus doesn't just claim to be the Christ. He says, I and the Father are one. 
He tells these Jews, I'm God. The Father. The one who made a covenant with Abraham. The one who promised David. I'm him. I and the Father are one, Jesus says. Now that, that's... It blows our minds to think about the Trinity. How God can be one God and yet three persons. But here Jesus keeps the distinction between himself and the Father. He says, I and the Father, those two being distinct, are one. One God. They weren't talking, he wasn't talking about the Spirit here, but one God, three persons. What was their response when Jesus answered their question, tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And Jesus says, I am the Father, a woman. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. They hated him. For his answer like that. In fact, if he was not telling the truth, he, well, they were doing the right thing. If Jesus wasn't God, if he wasn't God, that would be the appropriate response to pick up stones and throw it at him. That was what the law required for those who were blaspheming. And yet, he was telling the truth. And he and the Father are one. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works for the, from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? You get that? Here I am doing some good things. Healing the blind. Raising up the lame. Healing a, a, a child from a distance. All of those things that you've seen me do, which one of these are you going to stone me for? And the Jews answered, it's not because of a good work that we're stoning you, but before blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus had an answer for them. He quoted scripture. Jesus believed in the trustworthiness and the trueness of scripture. He said, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to, the, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? So Jesus points to a text, which is Psalm chapter 82, in which it says, you are gods. Now, that's ambiguous. We don't really, I don't really know if I understand what it, it means, but the scripture says this. God speaking to those, to Jesus says, to whom the word of God came. He's speaking to the people who have received God's word, and he says, you are God's. If God's word says that, then how can the Jews get so offended and so uptight when I say, I'm the Son of God? 
That's the argument Jesus is making. Verse 37, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand. The Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus says, if you can't believe my words, if you hear those words and think he's blasphemy, Jesus tells the crowd, he tells the Jews, believe what you've seen. Believe my works. Believe the fact that I've caused a blind man to see. Remember, that was never happened in the Old Testament. No man that was born blind throughout the Old Testament had ever received his sight. And Psalm 146 says, it's the Lord that opens the eyes of the blind. Jesus tells them, if you can't believe my words, believe my works. And Jesus says, believe my works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, this Trinitarian union between the Father and the Son. How John writes in chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was made was made through Him. And the Word, verse 14, was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, the eternal Word, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, existed from all eternity with the Father. And he wants us to know that he is one with the Father, and the Father is one with him. And how did the Jews respond again? They sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. And what does he do next? He goes away. He goes across the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And he remained there. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. We think back to John the Baptist. John was out crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He was baptizing people for repentance of their sins. And he was making a way for the Messiah. But he wasn't a miracle worker. He didn't do the signs that Jesus did. He didn't raise the dead. He didn't heal the lame. He didn't heal the blind. He didn't walk on water. He did none of those things. But the crowd knew what he said was true. He was a true prophet of God. Because everything that John said about Jesus was true. And it says many believed in him there. They heard, they believed because of the testimony of John. They believed because of the works that Jesus had done and how they lined up with the testimony of John. I'm going to sum it up. This passage is about Jesus' identity, about who he really is. 
I've said this before, but C.S. Lewis talked about how Jesus had to be either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. For the claims that he made, for him to be able to say, I am one with the Father. For him to be able to say the kind of audacious things he said, he had to either be lying because it wasn't true and he knew it, or a lunatic because it wasn't true and he didn't know it, he really believed those things, or he was Lord. He was Lord. And Jesus says, look at the evidence. Look at what I did. I raised the dead. I healed the blind. Stuff that only God can do. Look at the evidence. Our world says we want to be scientific. We want to see evidence. We want to, we want to know what truth is by empirical evidence. We don't want to trust in faith. Jesus here says, look at the evidence. Yes. We need evidence. We have eyewitness testimony. We have testimony that Jesus really was dead and then came to life. And all the disciples, save one, went to their graves, refusing to deny the truth of the resurrection. His greatest work. If you can't believe anything else, believe in the historicity of the resurrection of Jesus, that he rose from the dead, that he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. It is the most attested thing in all of antiquity. It is a trustworthy message. And if that's true, Jesus was who he said he is. And if that's true, he demands all of our obedience and all of our reverence as he made us. And he sustains us by his very power. This is Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.